Hey everyone, this is Christopher Luxon, the former CEO of Air New Zealand. This is John Lee Dumas, the founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire. This is Tracy Ibarra. I'm an executive solutions at Dell Technologies. This is Travis Chappell, founder of Build Your Network. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast. The Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, my very good friend, Dennis Giannoutsos. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsos. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. So perhaps the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. Hey listeners, it's now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Welcome to you in this episode, which is called The Leadership is Changing Highlights of 2021. And I want to welcome you. First of all, I want to say to you, Happy New Year to you and your loved ones, and uh, wish you all the very best for 2022. What a massive year. And of course, this is our first episode for 2022. And I'm so excited about being with you, so excited about the year ahead, because it's going to be a massive one. And I know it's going to be massive for you as well. Well, the question I've got for you is, how big is it going to be for you? And what are the things that you want to get done this year, which would be very interesting? And if you haven't already checked out the episodes of Ask Dennis that happened just prior to the new year turning over, then go and check those out because the, the two weeks beforehand, I've been talking about setting goals and so forth. But one of the things I did talk about is reflecting on the year. And so hence, we're going to introduce you to today to Highlights, the Leadership is Changing podcast, Highlights 2021 and it's a mashup of different interviews that I've done over 2021 and going to be sharing you just some highlights from it. And it's going to be really exciting. Now, I just want to also say to you, and I really would like you to do this, is to, if you're on Apple and you listen to Apple, this episode or podcast on Apple, we would love you to go and do a review and a rating. It's simple. You just go and check, see the episode or wherever it is, you or the, the whole podcast, check it out. And then there's five stars. If it's a five for you, click the review as a five. And actually, that's the rating. And then put a review, some words in there, and what you're getting from the podcast. We would love you to do that because what that does is actually helps lift the podcast and its visibility around the world. And any every single one of them actually helps us, so which is really great. Now, Spotify has just announced that they are 
now making available for those who are listening to this podcast on Spotify that you can now do a rating as well on Spotify. And you just need to go on there where my podcast is, look at an episode and you can actually hit the ratings and uh, you look for that uh, sort of button and you can go ahead and do that. So once again, whether it's an Apple or Spotify, Apple, you can put a rating and a review. I understand at this stage with Spotify, it's a rating. Whatever you do, we'd love you to do that because it's really going to help the podcast. All right, let's talk about this episode. So this episode today is where I'm actually going to introduce you to three different guests that I had in 2021. The first interview we had in 2021 was with Joanna McCress, and that was on episode 98, and that happened in January 2021. And her episode, the, the title of that was How to Create Your New Normal. And so, so I'm sharing a little bit of uh, a snippet of that episode. And then, of course, we celebrated the 100th episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast and uh, had my friend Juru Tagar on that. I mean, that was in February 2021. If you're not growing, you're dying. And it's actually quite interesting how I sort of started that year off with somebody with that title and a very similar title I closed the year of 2021 with as well, Leaders Grow or Die. And that was with Emily uh, Ranton. So um, if you haven't rechecked that, that episode, it's worth, worthwhile checking out. So Juru Tagar, 100th episode, fantastic things he shared. And then I have, I've also sharing with you a snippet from episode 102, which is Patrick Snow, who happened in February as well, bring value as a leader. All right, listeners, it's time now for you to sit back, relax, and listen to this, or if you're out for your walk or run, whatever you're doing right now, take notes if you can, and if you can't, because you're driving or whatever you're running and walking, then come back and listen to the episodes, because they're really worthwhile listening to. So sit back and enjoy. Given a brief introduction into your background, so how how did you get into leadership? Well, okay, the story starts from my corporate life, where I had a fair share. As you as you mentioned before, it was about fifteen years I was in the banking sector, dealing with people from around the globe, from senior management positions, and it was a great experience with hands-on leadership. But at the same time, it was a sweet and bitter taste, let's say. On the one hand, I enjoyed success. And on the same time, I would see other successful executives in their professional lives with disasters in their personal lives. And I didn't like it at all. So (laughs) I had my fair share of leadership there, but it wasn't the type of leadership that I really enjoyed. So so they they were successful in their businesses and doing really well there, but then in their personal lives, they had some real problems, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actually, it's quite interesting you say that because a lot of people that I work with, executives and leaders and, and, and then entrepreneurs as well, they're working some long hours. They're overwhelmed. As in my introductions, talk about going from email to email, meeting to meeting. They have a lot going on for them. And then they're trying to go home and try and be mum, dad, husband, wife, partner, brother, sister. And it's it's really hard for them. So when you saw that, what was sort of, I mean, no, some of the outcomes would have been great but um, at all. But I, I mean, what could people do around that space? Well, the issue is that they behave sort of like split personalities. So they are a different person at work and a different person at life. And this brings internal conflict. And this is where everything starts. 
So for me, my new approach to leadership, let's say, when I when I quit my job, and I quit my job because really that it, it stopped inspiring me. It didn't fire any passion inside of me because of this. And I went back home and I thought that staying with my family, which I miss so much, working long hours would be the solution and the perfect space for me. But still something didn't look right. Something was missing. So that was when I started approaching leadership from a different, a totally different angle, a new point of view, which is exactly that the person behind the leader and the inside the leader rather, and the person at home is the same human being. So leadership is about the same human being. And this is where the focus goes. And I would suggest that the solution is to look inside. This is my whole approach. And this is why I say about inspired 360 success, because 360 is how to combine all the areas of your life in harmony, being the same authentic person. Yeah, oh, fantastic. So the 360 degree, I uh, get what you're saying. That's that's really important. And when you said before that you quit your job because you lost your passion, it just didn't feel right. How long was it that you were feeling like that before you actually quit your job? Well, actually, it was about 12 months a year. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So some people I work with as well, again, that it's a year, 18 months, two years. They just know that it doesn't feel right anymore. They just lose that energy, that passion, as you said, the skip in their step is no longer there. But it takes them a while for them to make that decision to transition out of there, which is which is really interesting. Oh, well, it's always uh, having solution as well. I was quite lucky because I could I could step out and wait and see and and uh, search inside and find the next step for me. But you don't always have this opportunity, so I understand that. Yeah. So everybody's situation is different, as you said. Yeah, for sure. Hey, tell me so. I'm going to ask you a question here. Now, this can be somebody who's alive or from history. So who's your favorite leader and why? Okay. Now, there's so many great leaders, right? <laughs> and I'm sure that most people tell you that they struggle to find one name and, and tell you who that is. Same is for me. But for me, it's a totally different approach. For me, it's not about a name. It's rather a type of person. For me, it's everyday people, the next door leaders, as I say, it could be someone in an office, a shop, a mom, a teenager, a CEO. Actually, anyone who brings inspiration and transformation, who serves, unites, values, and models for others. These are my favorite ones. So these are the ones that create positive change and positive impact in our world. And it's a type of person. It's not one name. Yeah, excellent. A type of person. I like what you said, the next door leader. Yeah, um, I, I love that uh, terminology. I don't know about you, Joanna, but I actually feel like wanting to break out and speak to you in Greek. But of course, our listeners all around the world, so we're having to st stay here with English and that. But um, so jo Joanna is also known as Joanna is the is the name in, in Greek as well. So um, so Joanna, I love what you just shared about. It's not the, an actual name, but it's the type of person, and it's the becoming a leader of that type of person, which I think is really quite important because, as you said earlier on that you can be one person at, home, at work and one person at home where it should be the same person, but also you need to be authentic. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're sharing there is about the next door leader is somebody who is being authentic as well, which is, which is wonderful. Yeah. Hey, the name of the show is Leadership is Changing. When I say that name, well, what does that mean for you? Okay, I'm known about playing with words. So leadership 
is actually the act of leading, okay, of showing the way. But who, who really acts? Who leads? It's a human being again. You see, I, I always go around that. It's a human being. So for me, it's about leaders who are human beings who are changing. And that's leadership changing. And it's all about internal inner change from the inside out, or I would say even further inspired change. Because you see, Dennis, what I love about it is that we are SIP, S-I-P. We are spiritual beings gifted with an intellect living in a physical body. And because we're gifted with this intellect, we have the ability to respond rather than react as all other breathing beings. So leadership change is about leaders becoming aware of their ability, not only to adapt to change, but to respond to change too. It's about leaders transforming into new becomings and then into their new doings, which is their results. I don't know if this sounds quite radical to you, but for me, it's about creating their own new normal rather than living and being challenged of the new, new normal. Wow. This is some fantastic stuff that Joanna's sharing with us, uh, listeners. The internal and the change, which is really great. And the thing here is the SIP, the SIP, the spiritual, the intellect, the physical body. But then you're talking about adapt, respond, transforming, doing, and creating their own new normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's wonderful. So creating your own new normal. Because the word normal today is, well, what is the new normal? I mean, what does it mean? Because we have, as you know, and every country is different, but um, every country is the same, whereby we've got human beings in there and we've had to go into lockdowns to protect ourselves and, and so forth. So when you say new normal, what, what do you mean by new normal? Okay, what I'm saying is about creating what serves you, your vision, your purpose, something that you can control because what's happening now is that we have been attacked by forced external change, which is something mm. that we cannot control. It is out of us. And it's happening nearly for a year now. So the only thing we can do is to turn inside and see what we can control. And because we are creative human beings, and under certain circumstances and with certain methods, we can unleash this creativity because now this is blocked because of the shock. We can actually create what our vision is, which is our new reality, our new normal. Mm, okay. So okay. we can create the vision. Yep. Can I say that last piece again? Create a new uh, the vision. Create the new vision, which will be our new reality, which will wow. be our new normal. Juru, a massive welcome to you on this 100th episode. Wow, wow. Well, listen, first and foremost, thank you for having me. I am ecstatic. One, because it's the 100th session. This is a huge mile mark. So congratulations for uh, the amazing work, for the difference you're making. And you know what? I want to celebrate you for your consistency, man. A hundred, hundred episode is no joke. Serving the world and serving leaders. So congratulations, and I'm just honored. I, I am honored to be with you here, my friend. This has been uh, in the works for a little while. So listen, I, I, I'm 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 so glad to be here, and congratulations for all the work you're doing. Thank you, and you know I I know it's been in the works for a little while for you and I to get together and do this, and, um, and it's a real pleasure to have you here because I thought, oh wow, what an awesome person to have on the hundredth episode, and the way it's just worked out, it's just been brilliant. And I'd share a little bit with our listeners about your background. 
And you talk a little bit in your in your actual introduction, well, the, your bio, and a little bit about your the way you grew up and through a life of struggle. Tell us a little bit more about your background and how it was for you as a as a little child, then moving into adulthood and then onto into the US. Sure. Oh, thank you. Once again, it's a joy and it's a it's it's I'm really honored to be here. Listen, I, I grew up in Kenya and I grew up I, I joke around and I say we were upper poor, which simply means we were just above the threshold, right? We mm-hmm. we survived. I I was born to a very young mother. My mother was 17 when she gave birth to me. And basically I moved from my mother um, straight to my grandmother, and my grandmother became my mother. My grandmother right. was older, she was a summer stress for the uh, council, the city council. In Nairobi, and she did her very best. At her old age, she she worked every day and took me to school. I went to a you know basic council school, and there were really you know there were three pivotal women in my life. There was my grandmother, there was my aunt, and there was my mother. Those were the three women that really shaped my life. And while we didn't have much financially there was an abundance of love. There was an abundance of three women that taught me leadership from the very beginning. There was an abundance of three women who taught me that I was more than my environment, that I could live outside my current conditions and circumstances. So they shared, you know, the little that we had, I joke around and I say, my mother taught me adventure. My journey to America was nothing more than what my mother taught me. I've traveled the world from from the siddling of a woman who did the same. My aunt taught me the basics of making my bed, learning how to cook, the survival things that I that have kept me in the world. You know, my grandmother taught me family, taught me God, taught me what it really meant to she taught me relationship. Now, my life really changed. At the age of 17, actually 18, in Kenya, we do a national exam that qualifies you to go to university. Mm-hmm. And on that morning we started, I lost my mother. Now, here was the morning of the exam, uh, the morning of the exam. I literally woke woke up and went to school to do my my first paper and came back home and my mom had passed away. Wow. So I went to school, a guy who decided to want to come to the U.S. to become a pilot. I, I wanted to do so many things and I came back that evening and I did not have bus fare to go to school the next day. Mm. And that was the first shift. A year later, my aunt passed away. She had been unwell for a little while and she left five kids. So here I am, 19, lost two important people in my life, and I just inherited five kids. Youngest was four years old. So not only have I become now a father, provider, two years after that, my grandmother passed away. So in a span of four years, everything that I knew, Dennis, as life or structure had disappeared. Now I was an only child, and now I have five kids to bring up. And so I really moved on, you know, really, and, and I jump a lot of journeys of struggle of providing, you know, we barely had school fees. I went back home when we couldn't afford it. But all through my life, Dennis, I was always a leader in my crew, and I was always an entrepreneur. I have sold from doves to rabbits to everything. I was always the guy. I was always the guy who knew that you know. Now that I had a soccer ball, I could charge a fee for those who didn't have it, so I could make some little bit of money. So I was always an entrepreneur, and that's what saved me when I lost my family. I immediately became an entrepreneur. Ended up working for somebody who had a freight forwarding company. Within a little short while, I ended up starting my own company. And Kali, I I'm 22, 23, and I was making more money than my entire family had ever made. I was freight forwarder for the big national companies and, and nonprofits and diplomatic missions. 
questions. And and so I was really, I, as I share this, this was really my own personal growth and my own journey. And mm-hmm. here I was, I was a rich, poor boy. I had a rich, all, poor boy. Wow. I had, I had all the trapping of money. I could dress. I could belong to the golf club that I only wished I could have gone to. I could drive the car that I wanted to. But I did not know what it meant to actually have a relationship with money. Right. Yep. I did not know what it meant to be mentored. I sat in circles of people who would have made me billionaire, but I did not understand the relationship of what it meant to be mentored. Mm-hmm. I did not understand what it meant to be in a group and not be the smartest. And yeah. so, you know, that journey went on and, and I met one guy. He was, he was, he, somebody had invited us on a, on a maid, uh, it was a maiden flight into Sudan. And I met the, then the CEO of Kenya Airways and he was a, he was a Dutchman. And he's the first guy that I actually experienced great leadership so close that he convinced me immediately. It took me two years. Let me not say it took me two years. And I decided that I actually wanted to learn from this guy. And I sold my business and he, I got an opportunity to go and work for Kenya Airways. And that was my first mentor. That's the first person who mentored me. And what, what age were you then when you, when you discovered that? I was probably 25. Yeah, okay, cool. So you've actually had, you know, like quite a, a few years there with some money and some success and so forth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But as, I was probably 25, 26. I'd yeah, but as you said, yeah, and as you said, it wasn't, it was, you had people in front of you, but you just didn't realize the, actually, the understand the relationship there and how that could actually help you to go on to other levels until absolutely. you were ready, which was later on. Yeah, absolutely. And, and here, here, here it was is you've got to remember that my self worth was attached to how much I had and what I could what I could show because I had never had these things. You got to remember I'm a guy who passed by the golf golf course on a bus and now I belonged to the golf course. I I was a member of the golf club. Those two things were just a reality. And so I, I got caught by the trappings of the little money. And so I thought that was what was money. And I thought that was what was leadership. And the more I had, the less happy I was. The more I had, the more empty I was. I walked to the walk, talked the talk, dressed the part, but completely empty. Yeah. Wow. And so what an amazing background you just shared there and and the experience and that journey, what you went through, you know, um, two important people in your lives gone. You've inherited five kids, 19 years of age, and then you go on to as an entrepreneur because you knew that you had to do things. And the first time I met you years ago in the United States when we were there together, the first time I met you was I, I just saw you with this presence there, a guy, strong guy, knowing, but what, what I still remember today, and even as I think about you today, your shoulders, it was like, this is a guy whereby he can carry a lot of load on him. And I'm sure, Jura, mm-hmm. at times, it's not easy for you to carry a lot of loads on you. But I think you as a change person, you've experienced so much change in your life, even when you're at 19 years of age and so forth, and what was going on for you. And even today, you carry that load on you. And I know that you are a special person who can actually help others go forward as well, which is which is really, really, really quite cool. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you've, I think you've actually answered the question a bit about how you got into leadership because, you know, you've talked about the, those stories. But is there anything else you might want to share about how you oh, got into I, leadership? I, I got to tell you, this is very, this is very interesting. So I'm, I'm in South Africa now. And, you know, then I was, you know, flying everywhere and I was, you know, this little big shot. And, you know, when you're, when you're traveling around, you go to the airport and you buy books, right? You're supposed to look mm-hmm. smart. So I bought a book called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, uh, yep. which I, I had never read. So I am now 20. 27, 28, 29. The last book I read was when I was 18, when I was getting out of high school. 
And one night, I'm in Santum, Johannesburg. It was a Friday. I picked that book. And I sat with that book, Dennis, and I could not sleep. That was the first time I actually realized, after reading that book, that there was actually this whole concept of leadership, and it could be learned. Because up yeah. until then, I had been a positional leader. I, I led by my position. I led by my authority. But this, mm -hmm. for this first time, I actually picked up this book, and I said, my God, I want this. So this is what's, what happened. Three months later, I quit my job. And I decided I was actually going to come to America to seek the author of this book that I had never seen. This is the first book I had read about leadership. I was seeking a guy called John Maxwell I had never met. I was yep. embarking on a journey that I had no clue. I'd never been to America. I did not even know what to expect. So I took my little savings that I had at the point in time, and I, have, I had a daughter back home, so I left the money there, and I embarked. I left Kenya with $1,000. I went into London went into a travel agency and I said, I would like to buy a ticket to Atlanta, Georgia. Why Atlanta, Georgia? Behind the book, it said that John Maxwell had an office in a place in Atlanta called Duluth. And I said, I'm going there. Across, I came to America, suitcase, a Bible I had never read, the 21 Refutable Laws, $749, seeking a mentor that I had never met, on a journey I'd never been, to a country I'd never been, to a city I'd never been. And Dennis, in that pursuit, I come in and golly, my first, I mean, literally when you come to the airport in Atlanta, right across the airport, there's a Best Western. I mean, then I checked into the Best Western, paid for a week, and that was Welcome to America, and took a train the next day and, and all that stuff. And, and it was a journey. It really, to share this with you, is in under a year, Dennis, I was cutting grass. I was working for, for a landscaper to put food on my table. You got to remember, I was flying first class a year ago. Yes. I had a driver, a pool, a swimming pool. I mean, I, I had the trappings. And now I'm cutting grass, pursuing a dream that I have no idea what to do. But that's the first time, Dennis, I met me. That's the first time I began to learn how to lead me. I began on this journey of discovering myself. That is awesome, huh? <laughs> it, it was, and my, I, I was so broke. I couldn't even afford the leadership books. Let me tell you, I would go to the bookstore. It was $17 and I couldn't afford it. So you know what I'd do? I'd open the leadership books I was reading and then hide them and take and go and hide them in the section of under cookery or technology. Because when they arrange them, I, I can hopefully come back and find the book the next day. Yep. Yeah. Fast forward nine years to date. Now, I, be, I went to John's office and my first leadership books were in his office and I went in and there was nothing. They would make me pack books for conferences and they would give me the, you know, one book and I'd go in. That was my first journey of leadership, of learning and growing. But I knew there was no going back. There was no way that I was going back. It was easy for me to go back to Kenya and get a job. It was easy for me to go back to the environment I knew. It was easy for me to go back to the same crowd of people who I knew. And in that case, that was my comfort zone. Isn't it, isn't it interesting how it is easy to go back to our comfort zones? And for a lot of people, they don't want to go out and do what like you've done, whereby they've gone and risked everything. They've gone and said, okay, I don't have much, and let's go and do something and pursue that dream. Yeah. And they don't follow it. They don't go ahead and do it. And then what they realize is, oh, it's so much easier. Well, it's not easy. It's just the comfort zone, right? And so I can go ahead and do that. But you've just got to really acknowledge you for what you've done and, and how you did that. And, and getting there to the John Maxwell office, I, you know, which is just fantastic. And I've just got, listeners, I've just got this smile on my face just listening to the story here uh, that Jura is sharing with us in relation to it. And, yeah, it's fantastic. So tell me, Patrick, a little bit. I mean, we've given you quite a bit of an introduction there around your background. 
Is there anything else you might want to share with our listeners about your background? You know what? I'm left-handed. I kind of marched to the tune of my own drum. When my parents were young, my father was a school teacher. My mother was a nurse. I was the fourth of five children and they were poor on money, but they were wealthy on love. And I think I had the greatest childhood ever. And my mom and dad always taught me that I can do anything in the world that I want as long as I'm willing to work hard enough at it. So I was never given anything like any, you know, handout or any gift or any large sums of money. I had to, as an underdog, earn everything myself. And so I've just kept that underdog mentality and that spirit, you know, with me of self-confidence and self-esteem. And I trace it back to my family roots. I had a blessing, a wonderful, wonderful, loving family. And I'm so grateful. And to this day, I, I still think of all the things that I learned from my father who passed five years ago. And I'm just blown away as to what I learned from him. Not so much about what he said, but what he did. So, yeah, I think that's kind of more about my background. Excellent. And, you know, what what a wonderful way to be brought up and given us the sense of for you can have what you want. You can succeed in what you want to do, but you're going to have to work for it. And I think that's that's a great uh, way to be brought up. And I think that sense of things, and, and that was my upbringing as well, where mum and dad were working long hours in cafes and so forth. And even after school, we were there at the cafe at a young age, school holidays, weekends. But I don't know about you, but I think for me, and this, this could be relevant for you, it taught me about work ethic. And is that could you resonate with that? Well, I think my mother in the eighth grade, she said, Patrick, I'm working the afternoon shift at the hospital. She was in the, worked in the nursery helping deliver babies and care for babies. And she said, you know, I don't have time to do your laundry anymore. So this is how you use a washing machine and this is how you use a dryer. So if you want clean clothes, and it's okay if you wear your dirty clothes, but if you want clean clothes, and this is how you use the washer and dryer. And so I learned how to, you know, care for my clothing at an early age. And then they wouldn't give me any money. They gave me lunch money. And the way that I earned my lunch money was by doing chores. And so I learned at a very young age that I started shoveling snow in the winter to make money to, you know, pay for what I wanted. I soon started delivering newspaper deliveries for the USA Today and also the Detroit Free Press. And then after doing that, I mean, maybe it was in the eighth grade, I started selling Detroit Free Press subscriptions door to door. And I remember like in 1983, making 80, 90, $100 per night US, you know, just selling Detroit Free Press subscriptions. I'd make a $1, I'd get a, you know, on a, on a Sunday subscription, I'd get a $1 commission. On a daily, I'd get a $2. And if I sold somebody a daily and a Sunday, I got a $3 commission. So I did that for about a year and I made tons of extra money. And then my, you know, grade 10 in high school, I went to work at a restaurant and they paid me $3 and 35 cents an hour, which was minimum wage back then. Wow. And I thought to myself, I'm trading an hour of my time for $3 and 35 cents. And when I went knocking door to door to door selling, you know, newspaper subscriptions, I'd make 50, $60 an hour. And so at that point, I learned that to, to create wealth, you did it by being an, a business owner, a sales professional, an entrepreneur not working for the man and trading time for dollars. And so yep. that was a great lesson I learned early on in life. Oh, that's awesome. Fantastic lessons in that. Yeah. And so how did you get into leadership? You know, I've never really viewed myself as like someone trying to become a leader or someone who's looking behind me to find out who is following me because I could care less if people are following me or not. And there's a lot of leaders out there that are constantly counting their fans. They want to know how many fans they have, how many uh -huh. followers they have on social media. I could care less about any of that. That means nothing to me. But I think it started for me as an athlete playing youth sports. I played American football, basketball, tennis, baseball. And some of my coaches, they pushed me harder than ever. 
And I'm like, wait a minute, why are you making me run harder than everybody else? Why? why? And they're like, you're the captain of the team. And as the captain, you got to be in the best shape and we're going to push you harder than everybody. And you can take it. And these other kids can't take it. And so for me, leadership got started in youth sports. I was pretty much always the captain of every team. And maybe it's because I'm full of passion. Maybe it's because I never give up. Maybe because I, you know, prepare and I'm mentally strong in a good way. I'm full of uh, zest and zeal for life. And I think people just followed me athletically. And that kind of led me down this path in personal growth and development. So am I a leader? I think I'm a leader of my own life. I'm a huge fan of self-leadership. But I've not been one that's, you know, worked for the big Fortune 500 company and had an organizational development chart where I had 200 people report to me. I've always been the guy that's like, you know what? I can do it better than these guys. I don't need this day job. I quit my job 18 years ago to be a full-time entrepreneur. And maybe it's because I'm unemployable because the people that were always my bosses or my superiors, I looked at them and like, who are they? You know, I can do it better myself. So from a leader, I think my skill set is based on self-leadership and discipline and that people will naturally follow that. But I don't have the background of being like a vice president of sales and having like 500 employees follow me. That doesn't interest me at all. Well, no, what you're talking about is a title. That's leadership is you're a leader in the industry. You're a leader as a coach, as a as a mentor, yeah. as a speaker. You're a leader in that industry, right? What you're talking about is being a vice president. That's a title. There's so many vice presidents or people I know with those titles. They're managers. They're not real leaders. So what you have done and what you continue to do in the industry is leadership. And so um, you're a from right. the front. You bring up a good point. I remember after I, I graduated from University of Montana, I was in corporate sales in Seattle for many, many years. And I had this idea. I gave like 300 speeches and I couldn't get paid to save my life. I got free breakfast and free lunch and free dinner and free pens and free mug. And finally, being a Christian, I had to come to Jesus talk. And it's like, what am I doing wrong here? Why can't I make it in this industry? And the answer I got back was, if you want what others have, you must do what others have done, and you'll get what others have gotten. And so I looked at my mentors, people like you know Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy and Dr. Stephen Covey and Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra, Tony Robbins, and they all had successfully written and published a book. So I was at a crossroads in my life, and I was either A, going to go back to school, and get a master's in business administration or get an MBA, or I was gonna write a book. And I remember that crux of that decision, which do I do, which do I do? And I wanted to speak and speak and speak. And so finally I decided, you know what? If I go get an MBA and get an advanced degree, I'm still reliant on having an organization hire me so I can earn a paycheck to provide for my family. But if I go learn how to fish myself as an author, as a speaker, as an entrepreneur, then I'll never have to work another day in my life. And the reason why I say this, and I certainly don't want to knock anybody with higher education, because I believe that in education is one of the greatest investments that we can make. But I can't tell you how many people I've known over the years that are 30, 40, 50 years old, and they have these PhDs and MBAs, and they come to me like, Patrick, who do you know that I can get a job? I just got laid off. I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. I don't have an income source. And my answer is, I don't know. I haven't worked in 18 years. What are you talking about? But the point of it is, a lot of people in academia, they never learn how to fish for themselves. So they're reliant on the organization to provide them fish on payday. And I think that's a dangerous trap to get into. So your point on leadership, I think leadership is about your ability to provide for your family and your loved ones without being dependent on the success of an organization. So that's a, a good point you brought up. Awesome. Beautiful. Just love the way that you've actually shared that as well in that story too. So yeah, I mean, write a book. That will get you out there, which is one great thing to do. We're going to an MBA, totally up to you. Nothing wrong being in academia and also writing things and getting those degrees. It's what you do with it. It's what you, how you, you go about with things as well, which is interesting. 
Oh, wow, listeners. What awesome information and interviews they were with those guests that I had. Joanna McCress with episode 98, Juru Takar on episode 100, and we celebrated that 100th episode, and of course, Patrick Snow on episode 102. If you haven't already checked out those episodes, we could highly encourage you to go ahead and do that, but we'd love you to put a review and a rating in relation to those episodes or the podcast overall. It's so exciting about what's going to happen in 2022. And of course, you're listening to this now. This is the first episode in 2022. And uh, we're looking forward to bringing you so many more guests throughout the actual whole year. And of course, more freestyle episodes on the Ask Dennis episodes. If there's any questions you have for me to answer around leadership and change and so forth, please send me a message uh, on my email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com or send me a private message on social media. Also, listeners, soon, very soon, we're about to announce some new things and I can't wait to share that with you. And so just keep an eye out for that. And it's very, very exciting. All right. So great to have you here on this episode. Great to share with you the highlights of 2021 for the Leadership is Changing podcast with my three guests. Until next time, have fun. Hey, listeners, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being released. Download them, have a listen, put a review and a rating. Feel free to share them with your friends, your family, and your network. Hey, if there's any feedback you'd like to give me about the show, or if there's a question you have for the Ask Dennis Freestyle episode, then send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Hey, listeners, it's always a pleasure being with you. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 